This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Father, thank you. Um, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truth that mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are good, you are loving, and everything we just sang about your character is true. Often fall short of your glory. We often act in a way that's not consistent with uh, your desire to see us neighbor. Lord, we we want to reflect your glory. We want to draw near to you and see your your great character and your wisdom and your your kindness and your patience and your glory. Lord, we want to be we want to draw near to who you are so that we could reflect that to others. So I pray as we walk through James, Lord, I pray that you would. First, just convict us of where we fall short of that, but encourage us by your mercy and your grace so that we could do the same for others. And I thank you for this time. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. Amen. So we're calling um, kind of this short series, I think, I think we have like seven weeks in James. Um, we're calling this Somewhere to Land because it's, Interesting how James writes this short letter with uh, a ton of different topics. It seems like um, just sort of rapid fire paragraphs over a whole bunch of different, I think, very practical topics. But he's writing this letter to a group of people who in some way, which we don't know the, the exact context, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but there were Christians in the early church who were uprooted from where they lived and kind of just shipped off to other parts of the Roman Empire. And, and there's, there is a sense in which that word that it, James is talking about in, at the beginning of the letter where they've been dispersed, there is sort of like a spiritual sense to that too that even the New Testament writers use where they, where they would say that this, this world is not our home. We look forward to the new creation. So there is a sense in which whether we've been physically uprooted from our homes and planted in a whole other culture or we're just sort of dealing with the, the stress and the anxiety of living in a broken world where, where things aren't always certain, where things aren't always sure, as we look forward to the new creation where we can just fully rest uh, in everything that God has designed with, with his intentions and with his glory and with his goodness. We, we don't have that right now. And, and we're, we're looking forward to this idea uh, of where we, where we have somewhere to sort of land, somewhere to plant our feet, somewhere to have uh, some security, um, some confidence even, or just some rest. And so what James is doing is he, he knows that the people he's writing to, life has to be chaotic. Like, like, like it's chaotic enough to travel somewhere on vacation and not know kind of where you're going or what you're doing um, when you do that on purpose. Just, I can't, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be uprooted from your home forcefully and, and have to live somewhere and sort of deal with that, learn the language, learn the culture, feed yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So James is writing all of these things because I think James genuinely believes that every topic and everything that he's just kind of shooting off towards the, these people that he's writing to is super important. Giving the people that he's writing to in the chaos of their life somewhere to land, somewhere to just stand on and say, this is sure, this is certain. And last week we emphasized the fact that James 
brought up the sort of the character and purposes of God and and I think sort of the 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 summary of some of the things that we talked about last week is in if you look at verse 17 he says he's writing to these people who are struggling he says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change and he's saying, no matter what you're wrestling with, no matter what your, your situation is, you need to know that the goodness of God is always that way. There's like no variation. There's no change. He, he is, everything he does is always good. And I think the, the next maybe question, or, or, or maybe not the next question, but a question that would come up when life is chaotic then is what is the purpose of this? Like, why am I going through this? If God is so good, so gracious and so kind, what in the world is he doing? What are his purposes? And he kind of hints at it. In verse 18, he says, of his own will, he has brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be, this is his purpose, that, that you and I should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Oh. So what does that mean? <laughs> that God has acted in time and space of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth. He's made us something that we weren't before. I think he hints, maybe explains or expands on that when he goes right into the next verse. And I know in our Bibles, we have like a little header and a space and a separate and a, you know, this is just one kind of flow. And I think James is, is actually helping us follow the argument here when he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen. That's what he, that's where he's going this is God's good purpose for those whom he, by his own will, brought us forth. God is working in and through us to produce the righteousness of God. To produce the righteousness of God. And we kind of, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but our, our sort of outline for this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the light of God for just a minute. Our reflection... So the light of God, our reflection of that, and then we'll do a test case. <laughs> so we'll kind of uh, wrestle with those two ideas, the light of God, our reflection, and then we'll apply that to a particular scenario. And that's sort of as we walk through James. And I, I said the light of God because I like the analogy because uh, God is the father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He, he's, he's almost saying, of all the lights in the sky, the most glorious one would be the sun, would be the, just beaming and, and making it so when the sun is up, you don't see any of the stars, you don't see any of the other lesser lights. And so he's like, God, God is the father of lights. He's the most brilliant, the most bright, and unlike any light we know in all of creation, there's no variation. He's just constantly beaming forth his goodness and his glory. So the light of God is his righteousness. 
The light of God is his character. Righteousness is a, a big um, Bible-y word that um, we don't, you know, you probably haven't seen that on your Slack message or Teams, you know, it didn't come, <laughs> that didn't come up in work this week probably. But it, it, it could just mean justice. It, it's speaking of the good, right, and true character of God. It's often in the Bible associated with holiness. And holiness is this idea of like a separate, separate from everything else in the world. Like he is three times holy. He's so unlike us, unlike us, unlike us, just like piling it on. And and that can be associated with his righteousness because you and I lack that. Like we're not perfectly good. We do have shadows due to change. We, our, our character demonstrates at times good and wonderful things and at other times terrible things. And so what, what God is doing, he's, he's spreading his righteousness, he's spreading his glory, he's spreading his image and his character throughout all of creation. And we, we even talk about this when we go through the biblical story. Like that's what he called Adam and Eve to do. Spread, uh, fill the earth with my glory and my majesty. Spread this garden everywhere. Show people the goodness and glory of your creator. And, you know, everything went wrong with that, which is why we're here. But now we have a new Adam, a second Adam, who's been risen again, is sitting on the throne and has poured out the Holy Spirit. And now what he is accomplishing is spreading the good, right, and true character of God throughout all of creation. So how does God spread this light? James says that. It's of God's own will in verse 18. He brought us forth by the word of truth. In verse 20 is essentially so that you and I can produce. And what a crazy thing to say. You and I, by God's own will, can produce and show the glory and majesty of God. Amen. You are how it spreads. You are how the goodness and glory and majesty of God spreads. Period. Like, it doesn't matter what our life circumstance is. You could have been uprooted from your home and shipped off somewhere else. That's potentially because God wants to spread his glory and his goodness there and in through you. You can have a work from home job. You can have a work-from-home job that involves nine-month-olds <laughs> or a whole bunch of foster kids. Where God has put you, his desire is to spread his glory and goodness in that place. That's our reflection. That's his purposes. That's somewhere where we can land and say, no matter what is going on, I know that the goodness of God is working in and through me to demonstrate that brightness of his glory, his very righteousness where he has me. That's a purpose you can rely on. 
So then we'll talk a little bit then about our reflection. The light of God is his righteousness and it's spread through you and I. So, so then how do we reflect the goodness and glory of God? Look at verse 21. It says, therefore, okay, so since all the things we just said, now, now let's, uh, like James is quick to sort of put some application to that right away. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That makes sense. If we're to reflect the glory and goodness of God, uh, don't be wicked. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word. This is the same word that he said a few verses earlier. It's how God brought you forth. <laughs> like it, it's the goodness of his gospel. It's the, it's the law written on our hearts in the new covenant. Amen. It's the, the working of God who's implanted his word in you internally to, to sprout forth this righteousness. And so what he's saying is receive it. With meekness. This idea that as, as God works and communicates through his, his scripture, as he convicts you in your conscience, as the spirit is working inside of you, don't fight it. Don't like push back and lean into your own desires. Receive what God is saying with, with, a, with a meekness, with a humility. And James is quick then to say, okay, well, if our reflection of God's glory is to receive the word with meekness. Well, what does that look like then? And if we're, to, if we're to reflect the glory and majesty and righteousness of God, our reflection comes from doing the word. Amen. Our reflection comes from actually just do, doing what, that's what it means to receive what God has said. Look at what verse 22 says. God's purpose is to spread his glory and his goodness. He's implanted this word in it, receive it. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, Amen. deceiving yourself. It's got to do something. And I think that's just a parallel phrase of saying, I'm, I'm meekly receiving what God has called me to do. And, and I, well, it's, it's funny, we talk to JJ sometimes, and I'm like, hey, buddy, it's to get eat your breakfast. And he's like, okay. The next thing we usually say is, show me. <laughs> like, you're very affirming of what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's not where it ends, you know? And James is talking to people and saying, hey, receive what God has said. And we're like, okay. <laughs> God's like, Show me. <laughs> Show me what that looks like. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I love the analogy. It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I wonder if that scriptures speaking of mankind generally but almost like as a dude that 
has occasionally looks at myself in the mirror, I don't, I don't, I don't pay that much attention. You know, like long enough to put my hair up and make sure there wasn't like a thing, and then I move on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not intently looking. There's no, you know, I see a reflection and I, I move on. I have no idea, which is weird because then you see yourself on YouTube or whatever, and you're like, it just feel, it just is uncomfortable. Like it's just like, oh, that is what I look like, man. You know, or whatever. <laughs> so, because I'm not, I'm not intently looking at the mirror. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, this implanted word, the things that God has communicated, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his day. That's where the blessing of God comes from. That's where we begin to uh, image him and reflect him. But it comes from our doing. It comes from our doing as we, as we sit in the perfect law. And I like that word um, persevere. Uh, it basically comes from two words kind of pushed together, paramino. It means to come alongside and remain. It's like kind of, the way I would say it is like to sit in it. To, to really just be saturated with to dwell in, to be always associated with what God has said. Amen. Like, if we're going to reflect, this is God's purpose, if we're, if we're wondering what in the world God is doing with our life, if we need somewhere to land as everything is going off in 15 different directions, or maybe we have no directions and we're just like, what, what is the next thing? God's saying, here's the thing I'm working on with you right now. I'm working on you reflecting my goodness and glory to those around you. And I've implanted my word in you and, and you actually reflect the goodness of who I am by doing what I say. <laughs> and you're not actually gonna do that if you just have a, a cursory glance at the things I've communicated. I need you to consistently just sit in the good law that I've communicated to you. I need that to just, I need you to wrap yourself around everything I've said so that you can receive with meekness and have, a, have clarity on what it means for you to image and reflect my glory and my goodness. And then James, in a typical fashion, gets right to the point. If our reflection comes from doing the word, that we sit in the perfect law, he's like, okay, so it starts here. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna beat around the bush anymore. Verse 26, which he hasn't really done that anyways. If anyone thinks he is religious, I wanna stop there for a second. James is intentionally using a word, religious, that is a is generic phrase. It's like pretty generic. He's saying, if you, I mean, I think if I were to like import this to today, if you think you're spiritual, like if you think you practice some sort of belief system, it's a, it's a real generic word that's used in a, in a handful of contexts in the ancient world. And it's only used a couple of times in scripture, so it's hard to really, it's like intentionally generic. He's like, if you think that you're a spiritual person and, and you're reflecting goodness to the world, let's just 
look at the price of admission. You know, let's not get too, let's not go through all the details and different things. Let's just throw some things out there that are, that are generally true of reflecting the image and character of God. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person's spirituality is worthless. Out. Like, if we can't control what we say, I'm extroverted, so this one hits me a little harder. Some of y'all are like, that's why I don't talk. <laughs> less trouble. But if our religion doesn't start with our tongues, if we don't control what and how we speak to others, you're not spiritual. <laughs> he says it's worthless. It starts with our tongue. Like that's like a basic aspect of imaging the glory of God to others. He goes on. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God before God, our Father is this, the Father of lights, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Orphans and widows. These come up a lot in Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, the Psalms. Even Paul says, wanted me to care for the poor, which I wanted to do anyways. You know, like, those, like we're talking about doctrine, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like, are you, do you care for others who are needy? I think if, if we believe we're, we're imaging God, if, we, if our purposes aren't aligned first with our mouth, but also with caring for others who are needy, then we're not reflecting the image and glory of God. I think about that. I mean, that is just should... As we wrestle with what the gospel is, that should resonate a little bit. If God's character for his people is to come down to earth and serve and care for those who can't rescue themselves. Like we had nothing to offer God. He was perfectly content in and of himself. Jesus was looking forward after being incarnate. He was looking forward to returning to the glory he had before the world began. Amen. He wasn't bored up there and just needed a project down on earth, you know? Like, he came and gave himself to people who were needy, you and I, so that we could be reconciled to God. So if you and I are going to demonstrate the light and glory of God's character... That kind of just starts with serving others who don't give back. Yes, Lord. Who, we get nothing out of it. Leaning into those who are needy. James is writing to people who probably have lots of needs in a real sense, like earthly needs. And he's encouraging them and saying, look, there, God has a purpose for this. He's good. He's great. Nothing about his character is ever changing. And, and he's, he's produced something in you that's, that's wonderful. 
And he wants to use you where you're at to reflect and spread his glory and his image through all creation. That's, that's a, that purpose is, that's, that's the place you can land the plane on. That's, that purpose is not going away, regardless of your context. And he's saying, if that's what you're gonna do, if that comes from receiving his word, comes from doing what he says, comes from sitting in and just saturating it, what God is saying, it starts with controlling our tongue. He's gonna talk more about that in the letter as he goes along. It starts with serving the needy. That's gonna come up again. Because that's what reflecting the character of God looks like. It's like entry level. And it, it also includes being unstained from the world. There, um, we could kind of get into worldliness, how it's used in scripture. I think a, maybe a simple way to just say that is God's purposes and desires are over here. And everything in the world is sort of opposite of that. <laughs> in the, if we're going to say worldly sense. Like God has defined what is good, right, and beautiful and true. And the world has sort of a, a, an upside down version of that. And there are different ways we can get pulled into that. Later in the letter, in, in chapter four, he talks about our being, being friends with the world is, is the same thing as like pursuing our own desires as opposed to the desires of our God. So it's tough. I think at the... <laughs> As we think about what it means, our purpose for you and I to image and reflect God, even in these short verses right here, James is sort of like laid it out there in a way that's a little bit convicting for me, which I think is why he ends this section with mercy triumphs over judgment, because God has so much mercy on us. He knows he's kind, he's gracious, but he, he is kind and gracious. Yes, but he has a purpose. He's drawing near to us with that mercy and that grace and that kindness and the goodness of the gospel so that we could receive that mercy so we could also receive the things that he said that we know are good, which, which he says, if being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Like there's a benefit to us to receiving that word and to controlling our tongue and to serving those who don't serve back because we begin to understand more and more of the true character of God through experience and we get to draw closer to him and have more rest and more peace and more joy in God himself. I think this next section talked about the light of God just his goodness, his character, his righteousness, and how he's spreading it in and through us. Talk about our reflection, our reflection of doing as we kind of sit in the perfect law and, and then James kind of hits us with those entry-level religious things that are part of who God's character is. But this next section is, is interesting for a short of a letter. Is he, there's a lot of verses here that are really just talking about the same thing because I think it's a good test case. I think it's a really good test case as we consider how we reflect the image and glory of God. And the test case is just partiality. Partiality. Looked up a few definitions. I think a good way to define that word in this context is bias towards who we love and serve. 
Partiality. Bias towards who we love and serve. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to receive with meekness the things that God is saying to us. Partiality is bias towards who we love and serve. And I, we're going to read through this little section, but as you think about that, in your sphere where God has called you, who are the people that you avoid? <laughs> who are the people that you avoid? We all kind of have them. Who texts you and your heart instantly sinks? <laughs> Another way to put it maybe is, are there people that do things that you just don't have respect for? People act a certain way and you're just like, uh-huh, I, can't have, I can't respect that, I can't. That even if that, that is an internal attitude, that's going to affect how we love and serve those people. Bridget always gives me a hard time. She's like, you think you're hiding what you're thinking on your face, but you're not. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I didn't even realize I was trying to hide it, but, but it's there. Like it will come out and how you communicate and talk to people. Look at what he says and kind of speaks of their particular circumstances. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? It's interesting, even in the Gospels, Jesus uh, kind of throws some shade at the Pharisees for like wanting the best seat in the house, you know? So, so there's just, uh, during this time, there's just like a, a cultural sense in which in a, in a gathering of sorts, there's like a, a, a higher place to put someone, you know? There's, there's respect that's shown kind of where you are depending on your social status. And think about how opposite that is of the gospel. Our social status is that we all fall short of the glory of God. Our social status is that you and I cannot approach a holy God because we have fallen short of the things that he requires, yet he loves us equally, cares for us equally, gives us the Holy Spirit equally, is committed to us equally, is good to us on every front. So what the gospel is doing is it's communicating when we gather together, it's saying it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter what your status is. We talked about the rich brother and the poor brother last week. Regardless of what that is, you in Christ share in both of his sufferings and in his exaltation. Everyone. So if you and I are to reflect the character of God for to image him and glorify him and look like him, and we are partial and we're biased towards who we love and serve, 
because of something they do or who they are or something about their character or their life and we're biased towards them and we, we desire to serve others one way and others a different way. We're not looking like God. Verse five, he says, listen, he's giving like a logical reason kind of here. He's like, my beloved brothers, has not God chose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? It's like kind of repeating what Paul says. Like, if you're going to pick someone to be biased towards, it's the weak and the poor that God more often draws into his kingdom. Do you want to see God at work in wonderful ways? The people you are avoiding are probably the ones where he typically works. You have, verse six, but you have dishonored the poor man are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? I think about the cool parts of downtown are not typically the parts that glorify God the most. You know, like, I, it's funny when I when I sit in I was sitting in a coffee shop in the Burbs and I'm sitting there like reading my Bible taking some notes and right in front of me in this like everyone sharing the seat is a lady doing the exact same thing and then another lady was like we just started talking because it was like we're literally sitting here with our journals and another lady was like oh I'm from this other church you know and like we kind of just like the whole table just had like a conversation about church and stuff and then I feel like sometimes I'm in a coffee shop downtown and I'm like lowering my voice because I just, it just, and maybe this is just me, but I just feel like the things that I'm talking about or saying here is like a little more controversial than if I were in a, somewhere else. And James is just making the argument like we, there are types of people we're drawn towards and we like. And, and the problem is often those are things that are defined and registered with the world. If it's the needy people, it's the suffering people, it's the ones who can't give back, who are not that cool, who are kind of a drag on us, those are the ones where God typically, not always, God typically is working in those people. And if you're going to be partial to one group over the other, not only are you judging them in a way that's not consistent with the character of God, you're missing out on where God is usually at work. But then he reminds us of this law that we're to sit in. He says, if, you're, if you really fulfill the royal law, he just talked about the Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, king, the one who's in charge. If you're really gonna submit to and receive with meekness the law of God that holds this like authority, this royal authority, this decree over all of creation, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're doing well. <laughs> you're doing well. You're beginning to reflect the image and glory of God. Amen. You're beginning to fulfill your purpose where he has you. But if you show partiality, 
you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And I think what he's getting at here is uh, Jerry Bridges wrote a book called Acceptable Sins. <laughs> like there's just things we do that don't honor God that we're like, eh, you know, <laughs> don't bother me about that one. <laughs> I, Jerry Bridges talks about uh, frustration, you know, like as long as we didn't lash out and say anything, if we're frustrated, like that's okay, you know. Like we just list some things that we're like pretty okay with, you know, like I tithe, I come to church and, you know, I, I lean into a lot of things that God does that are really good. He may be calling me over here to serve this person or to lean into this particular situation, but I don't think, I don't think I'm about that life, you know, like, and so then we just remind ourselves of like the other good things that we do. And, and James is trying to say like, hey, that's not how God's law works. Like, we can't pick which aspects of his character we want to shine brightly over here and be dark over here. Like, if we're going to reflect his glory, if we're going to sit in his perfect law, we have to consider it all together. And I like just kind of the analogy he says. He's like, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. For, for he who's the same God, the same God who, who's explaining his character said, don't commit adultery, also said, don't murder. So if you don't commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Like the one who's revealing his character didn't say you can get pieces of it to reflect me. He's like, this is how I act and this is how I look, and this is how I love, this is how I care, and this is what's good, this is what's beautiful, this is what's true, this is the, the perfect law of liberty. This, I'm communicating my character to you in my word, and you have to, with meekness then, with humility, accept all of it. If you want to fulfill his purpose to be a reflection of his glory to everybody else. And he kind of sums it up. In verse 12, he says, So speak and so act as though who are to be judged of the law of liberty. So speak and act, do, as those who are to be judged, as those who are to be judged in the law of liberty. It's an interesting, like, weird kind of play on words, I think. There is a sense, there's a very true sense in which we, there is a great day of judgment. There's a, there's a final day where God will, will, will sort of display the goodness and the not so much in every single one of us. I like how Paul communicates it. He's like, someday my ministry or the things I've done for God, someday some things will be like straw and they'll just burn up and it'll be like, I thought that was like the coolest thing I did for the Lord, but it was... At the, at the end of the day, maybe my heart was in the right place or something else. And other things that I did for the Lord and honor him will be like precious stones. There'll be aspects of my serving and honoring and glorifying him that, that God will be worshiped for forever. That will, will stand the test of time. They'll stand the, the great day of judgment. We'll say, look what God used me to do. How wonderful is that? And he's saying, if, you, if you're sitting in this law, this, this perfect law, you should be thinking, I, I want to be judged. I want to be, 
I want to be evaluated. I want my actions and my purposes and what I'm doing to be evaluated by everything that God has said. I want that to be the standard for whether I had a good day or not. I want that to be the standard for whether I honored him this week. I want that to be the standard for the choices that I make in my life. Because someday I'm going to be judged by the law. But he calls it the law of liberty. (laughs) Because our relationship to the law has changed. But we're not under the law as someone to be condemned, as someone to be punished by that judgment. We've, di- we've already died to that. Like, we've been buried with Christ. The, the wrath for our failure has been poured out already. It's the law of liberty for us. We're, we're free from the punishment of the law. It's still the standard, but we're not gonna be judged by that. So he's like, so live like you will so that you can honor and glorify God and reflect his glory because it's his character. And I think that's why he ends with, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. In a sense, Jesus says in a parable, if you're not willing to forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you also. He's like, if you don't understand the character of this law as being a law that includes mercy and grace, if you're living your life and acting and working and doing so by the standard of that law, and you don't realize how much grace and mercy that God and patience that God is showing you and you want to reflect his character as you understand that law, you also need to show that mercy. That's, that's a, you also need to be forgiving. That's, that's central to who God is. So even as we live and act as we're going to be judged by this law of liberty, part of that law is that God is so merciful and gracious and kind to us. And so we should be the same to others. And I think that, I think that James is really encouraging people who are just in a situation where maybe they just can't sort it all out. And sometimes we feel a lot better about ourselves when we just can sort it all out, you know? Like, what is my plan? What is my purpose? God's saying, look, I have a plan and a purpose. I want you to reflect my glory and my, and my majesty. And sometimes I shake up your life so you land there. So you land in what I'm doing and what I'm doing. And James is, is telling us some of these things that are really sometimes difficult to wrestle with. Like receiving the word from God that says, oh, I've got to shut my mouth more <laughs> and think before I speak and be quick to listen. Or... Lord, you're telling me that I have to lean into this difficult person more <laughs> or, or this situation that I'm like trying to avoid. I don't, ugh, you know, like I'm pushing back against that. But if I receive that, if I do that, then I'm blessed. And he ends by just saying, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's like, it's a, it's, it's commentators are like struggling to maybe Is he talking about our mercy? Is he talking about God's? And there really isn't like a super clear thing. I think James is saying, look, I I said some really hard things that you needed to hear. And I I mean that when I say, if you need somewhere to land, just sit in God's word, understand that. You should be really consider your life as one who is to be judged by the law of liberty. Like think that way, but remember, remember the, the good news that even in your life, 
even as you care to reflect God to others, that the mercy of God is always triumphing over the judgment of God. That's his character. That's why I think everyone loves the book that the ladies are reading so much is because essentially at his core, God is gracious and merciful. He desires, when, when we pull back to people that are difficult and situations that are hard, God just moves forward. He moves at us. And he says, I love you. I care for you. And my mercy will always triumph over my judgment. Amen. And the more and more we begin to understand that, the more and more we sit in his law, the more and more we just like saturate ourselves with who he is and what he said and just see his light shining through his word, he will actually use you to reflect that same glory. You will image God to other people. You will be the instrument that draw other people in the grace and glory of God. Amen. And what a blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, for your words. I thank you that you are so kind to communicate to us. Lord, you, you share with us so much about your character. And our hearts sometimes push back. Our hearts sometimes ignore when it's something beautiful and wonderful. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom so that we wouldn't deceive ourselves into thinking that um, we said, uh-huh, yeah, I'll do that. Um, but that we would just sat, sit in your word, that we would receive it with meekness and that that would be shown in what we do. Lord, you say that if that's the case, we will be blessed. And I truly believe that means because we'll know you better. We'll see your presence more clearly. And we'll respond with worship and with praise. So I thank you for this morning and I thank you for this opportunity just to consider what you said. In your name I pray, amen.